Are you weary? Unsure? Are you overwhelmed by the trials of life? Now more than ever, it is time to lift your gaze. It is no coincidence that you are tuned in at this very hour. This listener-supported podcast, Lift Your Gaze, promises to deliver empathy, edification, and empowerment. And with your subscription today, you will have access to every single impactful episode of Lift Your Gaze. Brace yourself for the breakthrough you've been waiting for. It's time to lift your gaze. Welcome to Lift Your Gaze, the podcast that ignites your spirit and uplifts your soul. I'm your host, Kim M. Clark, CEO and founder of Lift Your Gaze. Lift Your Gaze exists to provide hope to the darkest areas of our society, including the correctional system. I'm also a best-selling and multiple award-winning author of four books coming out with my fifth and sixth by the end of the year, and the publisher of Deep Waters Books, where we publish books that glorify God. As a former marketing, as a former college marketing professor and alumni and alumni from Johns Hopkins, I invite you to join me on a transformational journey into the boundless healing power of love. Lift Your Gaze is a sanctuary of inspiration where we explore the remarkable stories of individuals including the incarcerated who have triumphed over adversity and who have defied the odds and embraced Jesus Christ as their Savior and experience a deluge of hope. Each episode will be a celebration of the human spirit, a testimony to the resilience that resides within each and every one of us. We'll dive deep into the transformational power of hope, sharing insights and wisdom and practical tools that help you heal from trauma. So if you're seeking a fresh perspective, a glimmer of light amidst the darkness, then join us as we embark on this extraordinary journey of hope, because no matter how challenging life may seem, remember, hope is the force that can lift us to new heights and create a world filled with boundless potential and a faith-based approach to trauma healing. This is Lift Your Gaze podcast, episode 102. And it's a faith-based approach to forgiving the unforgivable. In our last episode, on episode 101, we talked about the five stages of grief. And I encourage you to go back and, and look at the, listen to that. Because the five stages of grief are just so important as you're processing trauma. And having a faith-based approach and applying scripture to those five stages of grief are so powerful. And it, it just like ignites the healing power. But when you go through those stages of grief, there's also, I include the four prongs for forgiving the unforgivable. It's called a four-pronged approach, and that's really important. I've taught this so many times. Lift Your Gaze has provided hope to over 10,000 individuals, and I've taught this to countless women. We do teach to men through other chaplains and through other ministry organizations, but I primarily teach the women. I teach one-on-one mentoring. I do uh, classrooms from three or actually one to 20 women and also speak to the entire inmate population for both jails and for prisons. And I also teach Bible studies, but I want to talk a little about forgiving the unforgivable. And I want to give you um, just three quick stories. The first one was a woman who came in. I was supposed to have a class of 20 women in maximum security and only one woman walked in. And I asked her, I hadn't seen her before. Sometimes you see the ladies pretty frequently. I would come in weekly and I asked her, where are the other ladies? She just shrugged. 
she had really a heavy spirit of despondency and just a, a depression on her. I could just see that as soon as she walked in. And I peeked my head out of the classroom door and asked the correctional officer, where are the other ladies? He said, that's it. I said, okay, God, to myself, this is this is one-on-one. This is a mentoring. So I was looking for some connection to her, and she had her hair braided, and it was beautiful. And I said, I like your hair. And she said, thank you. She smiled a little bit. And I said, she had purple woven in her hair. And I said, that's gorgeous. I love the purple. She said, thank you. That's my son's favorite color. And I'm, again, looking for that connection. I say, oh, great. I have a son. How old's your son? She said, he was six when he passed. I said, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that. Give my deepest condolences and sympathies. And it turned out her and her husband were incarcerated for his demise. The, this child drowned in a toilet, was drowned in a toilet in a hotel room. And I didn't know that at the time, and it wouldn't have made any difference because I believe hope is available to all of us, regardless of what's been done or not. And it turns out this situation, uh, there was a lot of trauma to all the family members for domestic violence. But as I spoke to her, and I said, you know, we're going to go rogue. Normally I'm on this chapter. We're going to go to Amazing Grace. It's one of the chapters in my book, uh, Deep Waters Lift Your Gaze. It's available on Amazon. If you want to get an inscribed copy, you can go to my website, kimmclark.com, and just click on the link for Deep Waters Lift Your Gaze. It's the first book. As we went through Amazing Grace, where my husband and I had walked through the agony of losing a child through miscarriage, and how the Lord comforted me and healed me, and I read that prophetic word to her. And as we went through that, uh, she's crying, I'm crying, and and then we sang Amazing Grace together. We we shared the word the Lord gave me on hope. Again, I encourage you to get deep waters, lift your gaze, and. Just go right to that chapter if you're struggling in that area with loss. It's called Amazing Grace. And as we sang Amazing Grace and just experienced that beautiful moment, she said to me, this is the first time, and I can't tell you how long, that I've had hope and I've had joy. I have not experienced this level of joy and hope before. And again, I can't tell you how many years. We smiled and we prayed together and Again, she's crying and I'm crying. The woman who walked in my classroom should have been on suicide watch. She was not. The woman who walked out was a different woman. She had hope. She had joy. And every week I saw her in jail. She was teaching other women how, uh, especially how to read English. She was teaching them about Jesus. She Even the chaplains were like, what happened in there with this woman? And I said, oh, my gosh, you have no idea. It was it was Jesus. It was the Holy Spirit, and it completely transformed this woman's life. It was extraordinary. And it was, and we talked about forgiving the unforgivable, and those are the, that's the four-pronged approach I'm going to share with you today. And then in my Bible study, I teach weekly through our church. I felt the Lord say, you know, and I want you to go rogue again, go off what you were going to plan for tonight. I want you to teach on forgiving the unforgivable. And I did, and it's about eight women there. As I spoke to them, we went through the the process, and I asked people to name someone that's or in their mind, write down the name, someone they haven't forgiven yet. So one woman said, you know, I really don't have anybody there. And I said, well, great, we'll just listen to this and see who just comes to mind. Because every time I do this, <laughs> God brings a new person to mind. So you never know who God's going to bring. As we're going through the process, this woman is a very kind 
woman. She's just oozes the spirit. She's beautiful. And as we went through this process, which I'm going to go through with you, uh, she said, oh, my goodness, it's my husband. I, I've been harboring unforgiveness to him. I didn't even realize that. And she went through the process. And when I saw her and her husband, who were adorable, they were like, and they've been married for, goodness, a couple decades. And when I saw them at church the following Sunday, they were like, they were adorable. They were like newlyweds, all giggly and cute with each other. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, that was blocking this. She didn't even realize she had this issue. And so I'm hoping that someone listening, maybe you're hearing this and going, oh, wow, I didn't realize I had this issue. So even though you're thinking, oh, I've forgiven everybody, go through, the, go through this exercise. I think you'll find it very enlightening. And the last example I'm going to give you is from, um, it's actually was in Uganda. I worked for a mission organization. And in um, the 90s and the early 2000s, there was an organization in Uganda called the Lord's Resistance Army. And they would kidnap children from visit from villages and the female children they would kidnap they would turn them into sex slaves and the boys they would teach them to become soldiers or mercenaries or murderers and they would actually train them and after some time of indoctrination and significant abuse they would send them back to villages some which where they came from and they would slice off body parts um from the, sometimes the lips, sometimes the breast, uh, just body parts from the villagers, from even their relatives. And then um, years later, after or a few years later, after the this army rebel army was disbanded and um, from their atrocities and brought to justice, well, that's another story. But they um, the children had nowhere to go, so they returned back to the villages where they've committed these horrible atrocities. And the villagers who they dismembered and um, did horrific things to, they forgave them and took them in. I remember going there on a mission trip, and I went to another part of Uganda, but the whole country has this gift of unforgiveness. And I remember thinking, wow, I need to sit at your feet. If you get my Starbucks order, my coffee order wrong, I get a little fussy. And here you are forgiving extraordinary things. And that's where I really felt like forgiving the unforgivable was just such an important part of our walk. I don't think we're really trained on how to do that. And this four-pronged approach that after you go through the grieving cycle, which again, go back to episode 101 if you haven't done that, it removes the emotional hook, the emotional and spiritual hook of the trauma, of the offense. So if you're listening, if you're driving, don't write this down. But if you're just, if you're able to write down or think of someone who has sinned against you or hurt you and write down the cost of the offense. And it even could be yourself. It could be yourself who's done damage. And a lot of times when I'll teach this, a lot of the residents will say to me, what if it's myself? Great, put that name down. Well, usually they're writing down the classroom setting. But if you're getting your driving, just think of someone and think of that cost of the offense. Was it a $10 offense? Was it a $100,000 offense? Was it a million dollars? Just write down that cost because there's always a cost. There's always a cost to the offense. And someone has to absorb the cost for that offense. It's either it will be absorbed by the cross of Jesus Christ. It'll be, and that's for you, for forgiving the unforgivable, or it will be absorbed through uh, eternity in hell. 
and they'll be paid for over and over again. So you pray that they'll be saved, this person who sinned against you, obviously, and that you and you pray that it'll be forgiven by Jesus Christ and be paid for on the cross of Jesus Christ. So what is forgiveness? And I always read the parable of the unforgiving servant from Matthew eighteen twenty one through 35. This is from the English Standard Version. And then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? And, for, and I forgive him. As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wishes to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and had a payment and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, say, pay what you owe. So this fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went to put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. When his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you of all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. I love that story because it's kind of like you have this master who's, you know, the CEO. And then you have the servant, the wicked servant who's like, mm, we'll call him the COO, the director, the, the um chief operating officer and then he has let's say a low-level manager the ceo forgave the ceo of worth it was was years of salary so think of a ceo's salary it's pretty big it's huge so let's call this a couple million dollars he's been forgiven of and then his the coo's servant was the let's call him the manager of mm, the manager of customer service, he owed him one month's salary of his of the manager of customer services salary. So let's say that's five thousand dollars. So he, the COO, was just forgiven for let's say two million dollars, and then someone owed him five thousand dollars, and he did not extend the same mercy given to him, to his fellow servant. And that's why he was jailed and then punished. And that's what God doesn't want from us. And forgiving the unforgivable is only possible through our faith in Jesus Christ. It's the only way this is possible. One of my friends used to say, I used to work with him, when someone sinned against him, I would say, wow, I'm really sorry I saw that. I'm praying for you. I'm praying for them. And he would say to me, I'm going to go count my pennies. And I would say, what? He said, I, I'm going to count my pennies of 
I think of all my sin as a huge mound of pennies. And let's say I've been forgiven from, and I always ask, so I'm asking you, how much would you say all your sin is worth in dollars? Is it a million dollars? A billion? A trillion? Think of that, that pile of sin, that worth in pennies. Think of that, maybe it's as big as one of the tallest mountains and in the world, Mount Everest, think of it's that big, and you're sitting on top of that. And by the blood of Jesus, all that was forgiven. And that was all forgiven of you. You were all completely forgiven of your sin by Jesus Christ. And then someone who sinned against you, that person that you thought of and the amount, let's say that was $10,000 sin or a million dollars, still, and let's say that's his, their sin. You can picture them on top of their on top of their mound of pennies, $10,000, let's say. That's as big as a building or a small parking garage, and they're sitting on top of that. And then you're sitting on a mound 100 times taller than that, and you've been forgiven of that mound. And they and you refuse to forgive someone who sinned against you, which was horrible, but you sinned so much more against Christ. So that's what the parable of the unforgiving servant is. And my friend used to say, I'm going to count my pennies, meaning I'm going to go to my pile of sin and just count how, many, how much I've been forgiven. And I would move them to it. This is my mind. I'm moving them to the pile. And after I get to a few hundred, I'm like, you know what, Jesus, I just need to forgive this person because I've been forgiven of so much. You've forgiven me from so much sin. So that's what that friend, my friend meant when he said, I'm going to count my pennies of my sin. And that's what this parable of the unforgiving servant that unforgiving servant did not do he did not forgive he was self-righteous and was unforgiving now forgiveness is what this is it's an act of compassion mercy and love forgiveness reflects our faith to our offender to the people surrounding us the people who don't even know you because if you were a christian you're being watched you're being observed. And also, forgiveness cancels a debt. You no longer expect payment for the injury for the sin. You say it's released. I remember I had forgiven someone who sinned against me, and this person wanted to start an argument with me and says, wanted to revisit all this, this situation. I'm like, I've forgiven you. It's gone. It's thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. It's gone. And they still wanted to argue and debate about it. I'm like, it's gone. I forgave you. And that's what forgiveness is. And that's why this four-pronged approach is so important. I'd gone through the grieving cycle, but I'd also gone through this four-pronged approach, which is so important because, again, you're being observed as I was being observed. So the four-pronged promise of forgiveness is the first promise is you say that to my, yourself, I won't bring up the offense again with the offender. So whatever that sin was that you have in your mind, I won't bring it up again to the offender. It's including even yourself. That's that promise. And you could only do this through prayer and say, God, by the blood of Jesus, help me never bring up this offense again with the offender. Take it from me. I forgive them. So again, that's the first promise. You won't bring up the offense again with the offender. The second promise is I won't use it against the offender. I won't weaponize it. Oh, you do this. You always do this. You do this. It's it's you're weaponizing their sin and self righteousness. And again, this promise is only complete by prayer and bringing it to God. Dear God, please help me never bring up this offense again to the offender and weaponize it. Help! I've forgiven them. Help me 
never do that again. The third promise is I won't gossip about the offense to others. And gossip is if you're sharing this, sharing the sin, someone else's sin, and they're not with someone who's not part of the problem or solution, you're gossiping. And that you don't want to gossip. God doesn't like gossip. So you won't gossip about the offense to others. I can't tell you how many people have told me, especially um, ladies that I that I minister to, tell me, oh, I've forgiven this person. And then they, they tell me in intricate detail everything that happened. I'm like, here are the three, here are the four promises or the three, I'm sorry, the four promises of forgiveness. And that's you won't gossip about the offense to others. And it's clear you haven't forgiven. Let's go through this. And they're like, wow, I had no idea. So this is some heavy work here, but it's so necessary. There's some deep waters, but it's necessary to go. And it's only by God's grace we can not gossip about the offense to others. And I, I need to caution this and put a caveat. If you're, like, for example, if you're sharing a situation that happened to minister to share about the hope of Christ, but you're not throwing the other person under the bus, that's very different than saying, this person did this to me and this person did, can you believe the as opposed to, I was sinned against the exact same situation and here's how God ministered to me and here's how he helped me. It's a very different approach. You're not weaponizing it. You're not throwing the other person underneath the bus. You're not self-righteously declaring that they're the problem. That's very different. That's gossip. So again, this third promise is you won't gossip about the offense to others. And again, it's only available through Jesus Christ. And you have to pray, dear God, please help me never gossip about this offense to others. Help me use it for your glory. The fourth and last promise or prong of forgiveness is I won't replay the offense over and over again in my mind. And this is hard. I find it's even harder for women. But actually, I find it harder for women or men because they'll think about it over and over again. And they could get into the, just back to the bargaining stage of I should have, would have, could have. And this is only available through Jesus Christ. And say, God, I throw this sin into the sin of the sea of forgetfulness. It's gone. And just as you've forgiven me for my incredible sin, I'm forgiving this person as well. And again, I won't replay the offense over and over again in my mind. And Lord Jesus, by your grace and by the blood of Jesus, that and also the Spirit of God, which raised Jesus from the dead, you will help me not do these four things. And I won't replay this offense over and over again in my mind. And the offense is officially thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. One thing I want to, and that's gone. It's gone. I can't take my husband is incredible at forgiving. This is his gift, his superpower. And when we first got married, I wasn't very good at forgiving. I remember him telling me we were in a conflict and I would bring up past offenses and he would say, are you dredging in the sea of forgetfulness? Because I feel like you're bringing a lot of things out. And I would say, oh, you got me. You're absolutely right. I, please forgive me. And that's so common. But and it's, and it's a practice. Again, I talked about this in the last episode. But I'm going to share it again. We continue to do things, even bad habits, that that um, just that neuro pathway gets deeper and deeper. And again, we need the word of God to dam that up. And I need that to go, God, please help me not do this. Help me not bring this up again. And one thing I want to share with you is forgiveness does not pretend the offense didn't happen or didn't occur. It, it transfers it all over to God and say, this is yours. It doesn't pretend it doesn't happen. 
It also enables you to set boundaries. You can forgive but still set boundaries because there's some people who will continually sin against you and hurt you, and it's not healthy for you to be in that relationship or be involved in it. Sometimes it's family members, and they have to go to God and get delivered from that area. And they may be blind to it regardless. That's not for you. That's between them and God. So you have to set boundaries. I love you from afar, but just like you don't take in someone else's trash, you don't bring in someone else's pain and their sin into your heart. It's okay to say, I'm setting this boundary. And you can forgive, but still set boundaries and love and love them. You don't have any resentment in your heart toward them, but you do have healthy boundaries saying, you know what? I'm not going to allow you allow around me, my family, my children. I'm not going to. What happened was wrong. I forgive you for it, but I can't have you in our lives right now. And I pray for you and please pray for them. And ask God to forgive you of your unforgiveness and remove the offense from you because your unforgiveness is just as great as their sin they committed against you. I love someone once said that, you know, there's not like bar graphs of sin. It's God flips it over. It's almost dot matrix. And he says, it's just all sin to God. It's all sin and separates us from our our holy and perfect God. And the only way we can have access to the holy and perfect love in God is through Jesus Christ and our faith in Jesus Christ as our Savior. And by declaring Jesus Christ is my Savior and that you're a sinner and you ask Jesus into your heart, you're then, Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and you are now covered by the blood of Jesus and you are forgiven. And that same forgiveness that you experience, we're required to extend to others as Christians. I just want to share with you uh, one just quick testimony from one of the women that we've ministered to. Maybe I'll share two. But this is from Megan, and she's actually um, wrote to me. I met her in jail. She's now in prison. And just to give you the quick difference between jails and prison, jail is, oh, I've been accused of something bad, and I am awaiting a, a, a hearing to see if I can get a bond out so I can get out of jail. And you can be released on bond. And if you if bond has been denied or you cannot make bond, you're in jail until your trial. Well, you'll be proven. But you're innocent until you go to trial. And then when you go to trial, your peers, and then you'll be proven innocent or guilty. And then if you're, if you're guilty, you have a sentence. Some of them can be served out from time served in jail. Some of them can be actually um, uh can be served during jail, but most of them are moved to a state prison. So the county, the jails are county served, and then the uh, prisons are state. So Megan and I met at a county jail, and she's now serving in a state prison, but she wrote to me. But before she was transferred, she wrote, Kim's books, Devotional and Spirit, provided a refreshing and relevant message at the precise moment it is needed. It's touching to know that provisions were made to ensure that I was able to receive these books while I was incarcerated, when I was unable to obtain anything for myself. It means I'm not forgotten. It means I'm forgiven. And uh, um, another woman said, I've never experienced this level of hope and joy before. Thank you. And I'm going to share one last one with, uh, this is by Drusilla. I read Deep Waters Lift Your Gaze, 30-day devotional to my fellow inmates to encourage them after our main prayer every night. Miss Kim Clark is truly, truly an amazing woman who not only inspires her readers, but also inspires hope for her readers 
and encourage them to take heed and become an encourager to someone else. So that just gives you just a, the power of forgiveness. So I'm going to go through these four prongs approach just to summarize again. The first one is, first promise I won't bring up the offense again with the offender. Again, you have to get prayer to get that because that's such a power. It's not natural. It's not how we're wired. It's only through the grace of God. The second promise of forgiveness is I won't use the offense again against the offender. I won't weaponize it. And the third promise is I won't gossip about the offense to others. I won't try to tear the other person down in self-righteousness. And I won't, the fourth is I won't replay the offense over and over again in my mind. And it's thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. So I hope that blesses you. I hope this uh, podcast of Forgiving the Unforgivable helps you just lay all that sin on God's altar and lift your gaze to your God who loves you, who wants you to experience the joy. Because the enemy wants to steal your joy, and I believe God wants to rescue you from your from your just pain of the past. And sometimes we even realize that's there. So hopefully God brought up a name of a person for you, and you were able to. And now say, I forgive, and that person's name. It could be yourself. I forgive myself for this, and name it. And it's gone. It's thrown into the sea of forgetfulness because it's paid for by the blood of Jesus, and it's gone. So Lift Your Gaze is a listener-supported podcast. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible donation to help provide for this podcast, please go to www.liftyourgaze.org and click on Donate, and we appreciate your support. Have a blessed day, and just walk in the light. Take care. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Lift Your Gaze. Be sure to subscribe so you may continue to enjoy upcoming episodes. Lift Your Gaze is a listener-supported podcast. We deeply appreciate your partnering with us today. We would also like to invite you to visit liftyourgaze.org. There, you'll have the opportunity to learn about our impactful community programs, such as our HOPE initiatives. And we welcome you to kindly consider a tax-deductible contribution that will enable us to continue to share the message of Lift Your Gaze. Until next time, there's always hope when you lift your gaze.